to Galatians chapter 5. Stand with me. Galatians chapter 5 in your New Testament. Galatians 5. We're going to read starting in verse 16. 17 and 18. Galatians, as we stand, Galatians 5. We'll read aloud together verses, uh, verses 16, 17, and 18. When you found it, say amen. amen. All right, that was five of you. All right. <laughs> All right, let's read it together. Begin on verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for it being higher and truer than anything we could ever dream or imagine. We think we have things managed and figured out, and we haven't. We fail. Our logic runs dry, and our flesh is, is ruining us. So give us some understanding this morning about where the Spirit of God is supposed to be in our lives. Not just there, but leading. And so bless the thoughts, the truths, the words of this book to these people. Encourage us and help us, God, because there is a battle inside that has to be won. By the grace of God, may we all win it. It's not just for a few. It's for every believer in this room. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. All right. So I'm going to try to talk to you about actually walking in the Spirit. Now there is, as I said last week, there's a battle going on in every Christian life. If you're saved, you have a fight going on that's never going to be worked out. You're never going to be at peace in there completely until the day we go home to heaven. It is a battle between our flesh and the Spirit of God in us. It is a battle of two natures that are not alike at all. You can't mix oil and vinegar. You can't put a dog and a cat normally together without them. And you can't expect that the flesh and the Spirit get along, especially when the Bible says they are contrary the one to the other. Now, don't be discouraged. Because there's an actually, there is a way to actually be in the battle and be on the side that wins. Uh, and you, the, the truth is, I'll go ahead and give you the whole message. The whole message is you have only one choice as a Christian, that is to let God win. Now, that's sort of just phew, over the head of everybody, so we're going to talk about it because Paul, and really much of the Bible is about a different way that we live, think, love, act, and react. And we, we do that differently than our flesh normally does, our normal nature. See, if you try to fight this, this battle against sin and to try to do right, you will fail. But if you just learn how to follow and yield to the Spirit of God, you will win. Now, last week I gave you an introduction to walking in the Spirit. This week I'm actually going to try to tell you how to do it. So... Let's go through a couple of things that I taught you last week, and that is you have two natures now if you're born again. You have a fleshly, natural human nature. It's got 
chemicals and hormones flowing through. You go without eating for a couple hours and you're grouchy. That's your flesh. Um, I, I drive the van, the van uh, come to church, and there is a lid to that kettle. And while you're driving and you turn, that lid goes, and you turn slightly, and it goes, and all the time that I'm driving that van, that stupid lid is clanging around in the back of the van, and my flesh is agitated. That's my flesh. You have a flesh, and, and, and uh, that just, mm-hmm. But thankfully, we have a different nature now. We have a spiritual nature. It's a Christ-like nature. My human nature versus a Christ-like nature. Now, I'm in the middle trying to decide on which one I'm going to listen to, but we'll talk about that. And we all know there's something wrong with us. There's a conflict. My flesh screams for me to give it attention. It says, feed me. Give me attention. Now, the Holy Spirit also expects attention. Go to Romans. You're in Galatians. Go back to the left. Find Romans chapter 7 in verse 15. Romans 7 in verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. <laughs> I don't allow what I end up doing. For what I would... That do I not. Now, this is Paul frustrated. He's using short, terse words. He's not talking like maybe you or I might talk, but he's being very honest. He says, what I would do, what I want to do, that's what I don't do. But what I hate, what is the next words? That do I. If then I do that which I would not, if I end up doing what I don't want to do, I consent unto the law that it is good. I need rules if a child by nature will stay up most of the night, it is good to have a rule that says go to bed at a certain time. Amen? Amen. So it is. So Paul says, I consent, I agree that God's laws are good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin dwelling in me. For I know that in me that is in my what? So he's talking about in his old nature, in his flesh, dwelleth no good thing at all. For the will... That's present with me. I want to do right, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Not in me. For the good that I would, if what I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not do, that I do. So he's got a problem, and every Christian in this room, if you ever would be honest with yourself, is the same way. We can't seem to ever do things just right, can we? We're always, I mean, look, if you watched me all week, you'd say, boy, there's some time, boy, Brother Leber's grouchy today. Yeah. We're, we're, we're selfish. We complain. We get angry. We're bitter. We just can't stay oh, happy. Let me be a blessing. <sighs> and then when, when, when we just decide, well, I'm going to just give up. I'm going to just go do some sin or whatever, which you shouldn't do. But you're not happy there either. There's a battle like nothing is right anymore. So God did something that is very confusing to most people, but is actually the answer to our problem. What did God did for us when we got born again? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. You're in Romans. Go to the right. Find Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to say this. You see, 
I'm so obsessed with my flesh. I'm obsessed with whether my hair looks right. I'm obsessed with whether I'm fed. I'm obsessed whether I get enough sleep, whether I look stunning. I'm obsessed with my flesh, amen? We all are. You know what God does? He ignores your flesh. Amen. He thoroughly ignores it. He treats it like it's not there. He treats it like it's dead. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and he instead emphasizes and focuses on something that he makes alive. Look at chapter 2. We're just going to look at a couple of these verses. Verse 1, and you, talking to believers, hath he quickened. The word is resurrected, made alive. You hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, which part of me was dead? Well, the flesh already is sinful, but my spirit Verse 2, wherein in time past ye walked, this is how I used to live, according to the course of this world, just follow along with everybody, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's the spirit that we all followed before we got saved. Run down to verse 4, but God, I love the but gods in the Bible, where he interferes with our life, and he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, or you say, one part of me was so dead that I could not find God, I could not hear God. It was part of me, not my flesh, but my spirit. And the Bible says that he quickened it. Look in verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us now sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, as if to say not of your flesh, because it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So what he did was he ignored our flesh, and he brought life to our spirit. Remember, you're a body, soul, and spirit. And we forget that one part. That's the part that helps me connect with God. That helps me worship God. Jesus said to a woman who thought that by going to Samaria and doing certain genuflections and by saying certain words that she was worshiping. And Jesus said, no, you worship him in spirit. See, you can only worship God with your spirit and in truth. So God brought life to our spirit. He put his spirit in our spirit, which is breathtaking. He gave me an entirely new nature full of different loves and different desires. And he asks me now to obey that pull in me. To walk in the Spirit means to walk in his ways, to walk with him, to follow his leading and obey his will. So let's talk about that command we need to now um, go back to Romans. Romans. You see, most people have this concept backwards. We, we struggle so hard to not drink or not watch what we shouldn't. We struggle so hard with not getting angry. We struggle so hard with not being lazy. Amen? Now, you should struggle with that. If you've got a problem with laziness, you should put up a fight. But we think that that's what we're supposed to do. There's not a drunkard, there's not an angry person who didn't wish that they were different, didn't wish that they were good. And in this generation of people I know, there are too many that hate themselves. 
and they hate their failures. After a while, most people give up even trying to do good and just give up to the sins going on around them. If I was, I, I, I couldn't be 16 years old anymore. I couldn't. But the pressure that's on a 16-year-old girl, pressures on the 16-year-old boys. I mean, how do you fight that? After a little while and the world just pressing on, it just, it just like a, like a JCB runs you over, you just give up. We almost always struggle against what we want to do so we can do what we think God wants us to do, and then we fail, and that's backwards. You see, what God did was he flipped things around and he asks a believer to follow his Holy Spirit. That sounds so trite, but listen, when, when, when we walk in the Spirit, I say go to Romans, but remember, walk in the Spirit, and does anybody remember the rest of the verse? And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if I'm struggling with the lust of my flesh, and lust doesn't always mean the wrong things, it just means intensely intense desires, because it says the Spirit has its own lusts, intense desires. But if I don't want to do what my flesh wants me to do, I, I can't fight and resist what I want to do. So I turn and I yield to the pull of the Holy Spirit. And that is where victory is. Romans chapter 8, in verse 4. This is breathtaking. It's a short verse, but I need you just to ponder it for a second, that the righteousness of all the law might be fulfilled in sinful us, us who walk not after the flesh. Now, to walk after the flesh would be, now, I don't see, uh, sometimes I'm really delighted when, when people have birthdays because people bring birthday cakes, amen? And uh, say if there was a, a big, huge slice of, of a fresh cream cake and somebody you know, held it up there and says, Pastor, this is for you. Guess what I'm coming after? I walk after the cake, okay? And I'm walking after what I want. But it says here, the law, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled, not when we walk out of the flesh, but when we walk after the Spirit. Somebody gave it this description here, and that is, all right, this cup is filled with something. What is it filled with? Air. Thank you. Oh, I get worried sometimes. <laughs> It's filled with air, okay? So let's get a real big straw, and I just try to suck out all the air. And then I and suck it again. I'd be putting out so much effort to get rid of that air. Is that really the best way to get rid of the air in that cup? No, there's a much easier way. If I just, to get rid of the air, I put something else in it. All of a sudden, all the air is gone, amen? So what God did was he did not ask you to get rid of all the sin in your life. He asked you to be filled with the Spirit. Does that blow you away? The more I'm filled with the Spirit, the less I'm filled with me. Now, I'll never get to the place where I'm not here. <laughs> all right? Until I go home to heaven, I'm still going to struggle with me. But the more I'm filled with the Spirit, and the command is, be not drunk with wine. That's the flesh. That's what my flesh wants. That's what my flesh craves. That's what my flesh uh, yearns to just be conquered by, the, by, by something of this world, whether it's drink or drugs or whatever. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. 
the walking in the Spirit is the central power by which we actually live the Christian life. You do not live it by your own power. You can't do it by your wealth power. And believe me, money buys a lot of things. You don't do it by health power. You know, I was, uh, uh, I battled some, it was not man flu, so don't make fun. It was some sort of flu or whatever, and I felt weak. You know, when you're weak and tired, you don't want to, just, you just die at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You can't wrestle anything. But when you're healthy, you can run around the block 57 times, amen? But we think because we're healthy, because we're young, we can handle sin. Wrong. You fight and win only by the Spirit's power. Take your Bible, go to Zechariah. It's Z-E-C-H, just before Matthew. Are a couple of small books. One of them is Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, It's not by, what's the first word? The might means your strength. It's by your abilities, nor by power. Now, it's, it's the fact that it's our power that sometimes we rely on, our might, but by, now this is God talking, my spirit, saith the Lord. So it's not by, uh, not by willpower, not by wealth power, not by health power, but by spirit power, Holy Spirit power. Now that makes it so that it's only for believers. Back to Romans. Romans. Chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it is only for believers. If you're unsaved, you don't have any battle at all. You have a conscience, and you feel a little guilty every once in a while, but you'll just adjust. You'll just hide your sin. you just go on your way, and you'll head straight to hell. One of the surest ways you know you're saved is you're not happy messing around with sin, and you're not, there's, 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 um, uh, there's a, Every time you, 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 you go against God, the Holy Spirit is pulling you back. There's a battle going on. It's one of the sure signs that you're saved. And then, the whole, then God comes in and He chastens you when you do give in to sin. But it says this, Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, not anymore, but in the Spirit now. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells where? In you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He doesn't belong to God. So it's only, what we're talking about here is only for believers, and thankfully it is commanded to every believer. It's not for just the ultra-spiritual people. Not for the people who, who, you know, seem to have it all together. As a matter of fact, people who seem to have the Christian life all together, don't. If you looked at the Apostle Paul, you'd say, that's the preacher, that's the, 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 the Apostle. It, it's not like we think. It is for every believer in this room to learn to walk in the Spirit. It is for every day, not just Sundays. It is a way of life. And you know what? I really get 
saddened because I think a lot of people only go to church because they got nothing else to do. That's why beautiful days, I kind of go, Lord, don't let everybody want to go to the beach. <laughs> you see, the Christian life is something that you live, and the, the spirit-filled life is something you live every day, all day. It must be learned like any child learns to walk. It's not automatic. You know, when a child is trying to, to, to stand up, I wish we could have uh, Beth's little girl and up here. And I mean, is she walking yet or is she still learning? She's almost there. But can you imagine if Weston comes home from work and he sees um, uh, Lilia there and she's standing up and he says, come on, come on, what's the hold up? Come on. No, she needs lots of encouragement, doesn't she? You know, when you're learning to walk in the Spirit, isn't it glad to be encouraged? Take baby steps. You know, a lot of people, I've had people say, I want to I come to the Bible Institute, Pastor. I says, ah, have you read your Bible yet? Have you gotten through the New Testament yet? Have you been discipled yet? Are you faithful in church every Sunday yet? You see, we kind of want to just go, like Superman, bound over a building, you know, become faster than a speeding bullet. When mm, we need to take baby steps. Now, here's a great truth. You're going to fall. You just got to get up. A little child, little, little Leah sitting there. Down she goes, you know, cries. 30 seconds later, she's forgotten. Back up again. And thank God that we, we're not, we're not expected to remember all of our falls. You know why? Because God doesn't. When you fall, trying to take baby steps or big steps, the Christian walk is one where, uh, 30 seconds later, and we try again. Amen. And it can become a way of life. I want to encourage you that it can be if you will just care to do it. Uh, one last word, it won't be easy. There's no shortcut to learning this. And I don't know how I'm going to finish this message. I will be aware of time. But I just have to ask you this. Do you want to stay a baby all your life and just crawl along through Christian life and never get anywhere? Walk in the Spirit, and you'll have the victory over the lust of the flesh. Now, how's it done? Let me give you some thoughts. First off, you're going to have to believe some key truths. All of the things that I'm going to talk about here are going to overwhelm the lies that you have grown up with. I don't care if you grew up in the Catholic Church. I don't care if you grew up in no church. I don't care if you've been philosophically, logically, ecumenically instructed. And You need to learn what saith the Scripture. You need to learn what God says is true, not what you feel and not what the world says. Here are some key truths. Number one, you need to believe you're dead. Romans chapter 6, look at verse 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is, that's a powerful word, crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That's why something happened on the cross that can affect me now and can destroy 
this entire body of sin that henceforth we should not serve sin. Get the picture of serving. I mean to serve, I guess, all right, like to serve sins, to come up to somebody and to serve them and to give them your attention to find out what would you like. Would you like a cup of tea? Would you like uh, a scone or whatever? Listen, all my life, I'm saved 39 years. I was, before I was that, I was 17 years living for me. Uh, all my life, I've struggled who I'm going to serve. And, and the victory comes where I decide, Lord, I don't want to serve sin anymore. I don't want to cater to sin. I don't want to give in to the pull of sin. So I resist it, and I fail. So here's the answer that is given here in Romans chapter 6. He goes on, and he says, verse 7, For he that is dead, and they are, is freed from so you go up to a casket, you see that person there. Are they lazy? Are they angry? Are they in bondage to sinful desires? No, they're dead. And they're not sinning anymore. They have been freed from sin. So the principle goes on. He says in verse 8, Now, if we be dead with Christ, he's not talking about physically dead. I'll tell you what I'm saying. We believe that we shall also live with him, talking about home in heaven, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, he dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. By the way, that means in the Catholic Church where they constantly continue the sacrifice of the death of Christ, it's an empty sacrifice. He's already alive. He doesn't need to die again. Death hath no more dominion over him. Verse 10, for in that he died. He died unto sin how many times? Hallelujah. But in he liveth, he liveth unto God. Well, if he's living unto God, verse 11 says, Likewise, I do need to live unto God too. How? By reckoning ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That word reckon is a key. And now alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, when he says you, you reckon yourself to dead, that doesn't mean dead, dead. Okay? Like, all right, I'm now going to believe I'm dead. Uh, no, no, no. How many of you have ever gone to sleep like this with your arm behind your head? How many of you ever done that? Come on, there's more than four of us. You know, and all of a sudden you wake up and you go. Oof. What do we say happened to our arm? It's dead. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I hate this. Because within about 30 seconds, it's going to feel very alive. <laughs> and it's going to hurt, and it's going to tingle, or whatever. Listen, we call it dead. We call it numb. I mean, you can poke it. I remember one time I was just holding my arm like this, and I swung it, and I thought, oh, this is funny, and I flapped it, and it went back against the headboard, and I went, oh, that's going to hurt. Oh, that's going to hurt, and it did. But at that moment, it didn't hurt at all. <laughs> it was dead. It was numb. So we're not dead dead. But we're dead to sin. Sin, when it pulls and with attraction, it doesn't pull us anymore. It, my flesh's desires for sin and for pleasure, I am dead to it. I reckon myself, no, I'm not listening. When, they, when, they, when a man and a woman have been married and they get into a situation where they seek a divorce, this is the most awful illustration, but it is absolutely true, and they break up and they move away from each other. And the, the woman calls the man and says, um, I want you to come mow my grass. 
He says, and who is this? <laughs> and he phones her up and she says, he says, you know, I haven't had a good meal in a couple of weeks. Could you come over and fix me a good roast? And she goes, and who is this? What are they doing? They're treating each other as dead, aren't they? Amen. It's an awful illustration of a valid truth that your old man, your old you is dead, and you're going to have to learn to go, I'm not listening. You are dead to me. The old you, listen, would you ever put the old you in the past and leave him there? I'm saved 39 years. You know what that means? 39 years ago, Craig Ledbetter died. What am I doing? Dredging him up again every day and just knocking off the dirt and just beautifying him up and, and making him look so good and propping him up and says, look at me. Leave him in the past, amen? My life is Christ now, not Craig Ledbetter, amen? To be dead means he's in the past. Yeah, you have memories, yes. All kinds of, of, of things come up, but it's back there. He doesn't belong here. Third, or secondly, you are completely forgiven. You're going to have to believe in absolute forgiveness. Take your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins, that's what we were before we were saved, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you are even good Jews, hath he quickened, that's an old word, it just simply means made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven you some of your trespasses. What does it say? Come on, say it. All trespasses. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, all the laws that was, con that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it all out of the way, nailing it all to his cross. Second, you, you need to believe your old man is dead. You need to secondly believe that you are completely forgiven. You need to believe that you're absolutely, completely, and totally free. And I mean the best kind of free. Not free like a bird. Right? You got a bird in a cage, and you open the cage, you go, fly, be free. Okay. <laughs> That's a different kind of freedom. But we have been made free to live in a completely different way. Did you know there's nobody in this room who's free to live underwater for more than four minutes? You try it. I'll never forget, I don't know how old I was. I just remember very traumatically, as a child, being in a, a little swimming pool in my back garden that my dad had filled up with water, ice water. And uh, so I was with a friend of mine, and we were, I don't know, I must have been four or five years old, maybe six, don't say eight, I don't know, I was very young. And, and I was in that pool, and we're swimming around, and for the first time in my life, I went under the water, and I went, blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, I can breathe underwater. Now I can bubble underwater. But I was so proud of myself, I can live underwater, I was pretending. But none of us are free to live under that water without special equipment. Okay? 
none of us are free to live out in space. We would die instantly. There is something that stops us from living out of our normal realm, and that's what our flesh is. To get me to live out of this mindset, to get out of this normal way that I normally do, I have to have special help, amen? And he's called the Holy Spirit of God. Without the Holy Spirit in your lives, you will fail to live godly. You will fail to live up to righteousness in this present world. You will always fail. So if you're born again, you're going to have to believe you're free now. Free from sin's penalty. That's what forgiveness means. There is no condemnation to any believer now. You stand before God, he's not going to say, you know that sin that you, know, you did there two weeks ago. Jesus Christ paid for it all. All to him I owe. You know, you're actually sin from sin, you're free from sin's power over you right now. There is no sin that has dominion over you or me. I just still like it. So when I sin, it's not sin coming along saying, come on, let better. You're going to do this. No, that's easy to blame, but it's not good theology. If I give in to sin, it's because I want to. So I need to realize I've been made free, so sin's power no longer has this grip on me. I need to believe that. And I need to believe one day I'll be actually free from the very presence of sin. So freedom means you're no longer stuck in a sinful lifestyle, Christian. And you can live like Christ. You know, Paul's greatest statement of his entire life is this. For me to live is Paul. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You are free now to choose to do right and end up doing the right things, not because you're able, but because you're trusting a strength and a help that will make you able. Romans chapter 8, Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 1. <clears throat> this is the strength that you've got to have here in these verses. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. You ought to circle those two words. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. I thought I had to be in church. Well, you ought to be in church. But being in church doesn't forgive you, doesn't help you get over sin. You'll only get encouraged to get victory over sin. But if you're in Christ, that's called being born again, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me, what's the word? You know what these wonderful words? Made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, what did God do? He should have killed me. But instead... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in my flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh, after meaning you're seeking it. I seek after the things of the flesh. Do mind the things of the flesh. That's all I obey. But they that are after the Holy Spirit, capital S, they mind the things of the Spirit. They pay attention to what He says. For to be carnally minded is going to be what? 
So if I follow my flesh very far, what can I count on? An early death. If you're saved, the wages of sin is going to result in your death earlier than it should. Amen. You cannot, as a Christian, live in sin, live in opposition to God, and just go on happily. If you can, that proves you're not saved. Amen, amen. To carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is going to be life and peace. Where my mind is, what do you want? What would you like? So, you're dead. You're completely forgiven. You are truly free. God describes this here in this, I say this, in Romans 8, it says, you are, he reminds us, there's no condemnation because you're completely forgiven. You have a new desire. I walk after the Holy Spirit. I don't walk after just spiritual things. I walk after him. I seek him. I walk a new direction than I used to go, and I have a new description, and that's righteous. Can you imagine any human being standing up saying, I am righteous, I am good, when really we're not? God can look down and says, he's righteous because he's walking in the Spirit. I just got to learn to obey him. Number four, sin does not rule you anymore. You're going to have to believe this. You're going to have to believe that sin does not run your life anymore. Romans 6, verse 14. Go back to Romans 6 and verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Just like your parents saying, that kid is not going to tell you what you should drink or what you should smoke or what you should watch. Amen. Now we got that. When your parent says you're not hanging around with that, that kid down the block and says that kid's not going to tell you what to watch, what to smoke, what to drink, it's the same when sin is not going to run your life shall not have dominion over you. And you need to believe, it doesn't run my life anymore. Does it mean it doesn't pull? Does it mean you don't get tempted sometimes? No. You'll get the pull, but it doesn't run you in your life. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Number five, you belong to God now. If nothing else, I've been adopted in His family. I've been born again into His family. I'm his child, and I have to believe that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, to the right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I had to think of where it is myself, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For ye are bought with a price, a very high price. Therefore, glorify God now in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to God. Did you know how much of you belongs to God? Body, soul, and spirit belongs to God. Some people say, well, this is my body. I can live as I please. I can watch what I want. I can drink what I want. Really? According to this verse, it says, you've been bought with a price, therefore you need to glorify God in your body. What you look like ought to reflect Jesus Christ. 
not your favorite music star. Amen. What you sound like, what you live like, what you act like should not reflect anybody else but one person. Who's his name? Jesus Christ. Say, Pastor, I want to be just like you. Don't. Don't. Be like Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's really crazy, but your body has been made into a temple for God to dwell in. And he wants to be worshipped by you, in you, which I'm going to talk about in a second. You belong so much to God that it's like we'd say, that's, that, that's the temple of God over there. And we're talking about a Christian. You belong to God now. The Holy Spirit, whether you realize it or not, is always leading you, always tugging you. Thankfully, he will always be with you and help you do the right thing. You can always shut him up. You can always grieve him. You can always push him away. But he's like a bad penny. He always comes back and he waits to act on your behalf when you just get tired of failing and will yield to his help. Ephesians chapter 6, you're in Corinthians, go to the right, find Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 5. I am supposed to obey God by bringing my flesh into line with the will of God. He's always, I want you to understand, if it takes you coming to church so that for, for at least a few hours, you're not on your phone, and you're not in front of the television, and you're not with your buddies, and you're not being influenced by temptation. If you only realize one thing that's good about church, it's so that the Holy Spirit can finally pull on you a little bit. So when you say, I only need church on Sunday morning, you are so wrong. Because to walk in the Spirit means I need to get to the place where I'm listening and I let him pull. What did I say? Ephesians 6 and verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Apply it to your employers. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Don't cross them but always in singleness of your heart as unto who? So it's as if you're doing it to Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. So I should be serving. I should always be letting him lead. So does your, does your employer say, I need you to work tomorrow and I need you to come in an hour earlier? Does your employer sometimes have that right? Yes. Do you like it? No. Does your employer say... Don't come in today. We don't need you. And you go, what? I needed the money. That's where you say, all right, I serve them. They don't serve me. And when the Holy Spirit says, this is what you need to do, you go, but that's not what I want to do. Mm. He's always leading you. Seven, Christ saved you to serve. It brings up my next point, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians, back to the left, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19.
1 Corinthians 9.19 says, For though I be free from all men, nobody tells me what to do, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Do you know why you were saved? Do you know why God actually saved your soul? It wasn't so that you would have the greatest blessing, so that you would have the biggest mansion in heaven, so that you would have the greatest happiness in life. No, he saved you to serve the Most High God. Most churches out there are full of people who say, give me something else to believe about myself. Give me some other way for me to be happy with myself. Tell me what else I get from God. You know what God gives you? A job. A course of life that may cost you everything in order to accomplish it. Christ, You're going to have to believe. Again, to actually walk in the Spirit means i got to start believing that Christ saved me for others and for him. And if he asked me to give up this country and go someplace else and preach the gospel and lose my life there, so be it. Amen. Two more points and I'm done. You cannot fall. You need to believe you cannot fall all the way down. Hallelujah. Jude one twenty four. Jude, all the way to the right, just before Revelation. Jude Chapter 1, verse 24. Jude 1, 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from and to present you how? Now, you and I, we are full. But one of these days when I get to heaven, I'm going to be faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. You know why I'm any good at all? Because He is able. Not because I am able to live it. 2 Timothy 1. Go to left. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed of my suffering, of my loss, as I do the will of God. Yet, uh, for I know whom I have. What's the next word? All right, so what does he want me to do? Believe something. I know whom I have believed. I know him whom I have believed. And I am persuaded, I'm convinced that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Where's my wallet here? All right. Now, no, no. <laughs> Who can I trust with my wallet that they'll give it to me tomorrow when I need it? My wallet's nothing, man. My soul is everything. And I committed unto him my soul, and he's able to keep it until that day when I stand before God. I can fall, I can trip, I can mess up, I can... Um, uh, uh, mess up royally, but I cannot fall all the way down. Somebody says, you know, for a while I had victory over this sin, and then it got me, and then I gave into it again, and it, 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 it pulled me, and I, 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 I lost everything again. Let me tell you, you didn't lose everything. You didn't lose Jesus, because you already knew you were going to fall when he saved you. Amen. 
He already knew how messed up you were when he, when he loved you and he gave his son for you. You can not go all the way back down. It's like a child learning to walk and she falls or he falls. They don't go right back to the womb. No, they are born. They are living. They're going to be picked up, brushed off, and helped again. And that's what Jesus does with us when we fall. He will not say, I'm finished with you. A just man falleth seven times and rises up again. I like that verse. Psalm 37 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Oh, good. Good men don't fall. Listen to this. Though he fall, because good men do fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholdeth, holds on to his hand. So you cannot fall all the way down, but one last thing you need to believe, you can forfeit your freedom. Back to Galatians 5. And we're finished, at least for today. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, that freedom, wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What does a yoke look like? Anybody want to tell me? What is, it? is a yoke a little bitty, you know, plastered on your finger. It's a little bitty string. I'll never forget how trite it was when my dad said, we're going to take out that tooth today. And he said, how? He says, with a string. I said, oh, okay, great. He sat me down in a chair. He tied a little string around my tooth, one of my bottom teeth, and he went over to the door. He tied around the handle, and he said, this may hurt a little, a little bit. Good night, man. But that little string, you know, I said, it's not going to hurt. And he slammed the door, and I went, ow. My tooth was gone. But when we think that sin is only a little string against us, we forget entangled is a very strong word. It means enslaved. And there are Christians right now who are not in church, who haven't read their Bible in months or years, who have a bad attitude, who are angry at Christians, who are angry at God, who don't, aren't, they're, not, they're not working, they're not at home, they're a mess. Why? Because they didn't stand fast in liberty and they became entangled again in the bondage of their sin. You can forfeit your freedoms. And my goal is to get you to where you say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about all that mess over in my flesh. One thing I want you to worry about, and we'll have to do it again another week, because I'm not even halfway through the message. But in two weeks, we'll come back, and I'll teach you more about how to actually walk in the Spirit. Let me get through this. Get to my point. Don't look, everybody. Anyway. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Come on. Come on. Don't laugh. All right. Stop it. Come back here. Go back. Go back. All right. I knew it when I was doing this. I was just going to have to either stop there or not, and I just tried. Never mind. 
I've tried to teach you a little bit about how to walk in the Spirit. What's the first point? If you got nothing else, what is the first point? Believe some key truths. Just like when you got saved, you had to believe one truth, two truths, really. You're a sinner, and Christ died for sinners. Two great truths change you. You're in trouble with God, and Christ is the only way to get out of trouble. Amen? Well, now that you're saved, there's some more truth to learn, and that truth is you need to believe some key things. And if you don't believe it, you're doomed. You will be, the devil will have easy pickings with you. You're like a duck on a, on a circular little wheel there, and the devil's going, ping, 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 and knocking you down every time he wants. We've learned that God ignored our flesh. When he, saw, when he saw us, do you know what? He didn't go, oh my goodness, lead better, there's a lot to fix. He could have said, oh, we're going to start with your attitude, lead better. And he gave up on my flesh, amen. He ignores my flesh and he says, that spirit's dead, let me put my life in his spirit. Where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. And he brought life into our spirit. Most people have this backward. They're trying to struggle against sin when God wants us to struggle with just listening. And I have to teach you in a couple of weeks about how to listen to the Holy Spirit because he's not airy-fairy. He's not going to appear as a vision in the end of your bed after you had pizza last night. Walking in the Spirit has to be learned just like any child learns to walk. It's not automatic. You just don't get up and say, okay, I'm ready to drive the car. No, it takes baby steps, a lot of encouragement, but it must become a way of life. It is not automatic. I have a couple of questions. If you are a born-again Christian, you're already free. But that freedom is just like if you were given a, a, an underwater suit, what do we call these suits with air hoses and everything, scuba diving suit? and they drop you in the ocean, and you might be terrorized. Uh, I remember when Joshua and I took an took a all-day class on scuba diving, my son Joshua. And what they do is they put this very heavy equipment on you, and then they put weights on you so you sink. You're trying to kill me on purpose, huh? They're in this huge pool. It's 12 foot deep, and they say, all right, now dive in, and you dive in. All of a sudden, you go all the way to the bottom. And it scares you. And then all of a sudden your instructor comes in and he looks at you and says, breathe, because <laughs> you're like forgetting to breathe. And then you realize, sorry. I'm okay. And then the instructor says, and we're like, trying to move. My point is this, all day long, towards the end of the afternoon, we got into a boat, we headed out into the ocean, we dived in backwards like they always do in the movies, and we went swimming, we saw octopus, we saw, or octopi, I don't know what they call it, we saw starfish as big as a frisbee, we saw jellyfish, we were down underneath that water, we were free! Because there was help for us, amen? And if you want to be free from the enslavement of this life and of this flesh, you need the Holy Spirit of God. 
and you need to learn how to yield to him and let him be your rest. Father, we pray that you would help us, God. We would yearn. There's no way I could give all the information this morning, but may we yearn that to walk in the Spirit would be our way of life from now on. And to find that it's more exciting than any kind of life we've ever had. It is life more abundant and it is free. Not free of cost, but free of sin and free of guilt. I pray this helps somebody, and especially somebody who says, you know, I'm tired of being all my life in sin. It's time for me to get saved. So Lord, would you help anybody in this room who's not born again, they've never cried out to you with all their heart, believing that you died for them, but also knowing that they're never going to be good enough. And they cry out, God, I hate what I am. Please forgive me. Please, I need your mercy and I need your grace. I need you to save me now. Because the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's all it takes. And then from then on, different life. If only someone would believe it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Don't trust anyone else. Lord, that's my prayer today. I pray that every person in this room realizes how powerful that name is and how powerful the spirit of that name is. In Jesus' name, amen.